We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Brian Driscoll joins us, the publisher of irishbreakdown.com. He joins us every Tuesday to talk Notre Dame football. We are within 100 days to the start of the Notre Dame football season down in Tallahassee, taking on the Florida State Seminoles. Brian, good to catch up with you. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. You bet. I want to talk about Kyle Hamilton if you don't mind, for just a little bit. That's a fun guy to talk about. He is going to be on everybody's All-American list this year, the Notre Dame safety. If he is not on someone's list, just take that list and throw it away Mm -hmm. from my standpoint. So let's break it down for a second, Brian. When you take a look at Kyle Hamilton, he has the ability to be one of the great safeties in Notre Dame history, a chance to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. The list goes on and on and on. His talents, what separates him from even great safeties? What are a couple of things that stand out that just makes him on a different level? I think there are two things to me. Number one is just the amount of ground he can cover. I mean, the the game of football, what do we always talk about when we talk about the Notre Dame offense? We talk about all these teams that are able to – to make you defend the width of the field and the length of the field. Teams are trying to get you isolated, get you in space, you know, and, and force defenses to have to cover a lot of territory. Well, I don't know if there's a defensive player in the country that can cover more territory than Kyle Hamilton, you know, to the point where essentially his almost interception in the first quarter against Alabama resulted in Alabama not throwing another mm-hmm. pass down the field the rest of the game. <clears throat> and, you know, he just, he just has that kind of range where he can just cover so much ground. I think the other part of it too, Darren, is – he has a combination of size and playmaking ability that you just don't find. You know, he's someone that can play center field if you need him to at 6'4", and incredibly smooth and athletic and instinctive. He's a guy that can play man coverage against tight ends, slot receivers, and backs. He's a guy that can come out down in the box and he can hit. And I think that's the part of his game last year that evolved the most was he was a guy that just came down and did a lot of damage against the run. And, you you know, we've, we've seen clips of it. We had a breakdown of him last week on our site where – there was a clip in there where he's just catching Travis Etienne from behind. And, you know, that was a first-round draft pick for, for for Clemson this past year. So he just is able to impact the game in so many ways. 
you could play him at free safety, strong safety, nickel, rover. I mean, you, you really can do anything with him. It's just what's your imagination like? That's really the limitations of how you can use Kyle Hamilton on the football field. When you look at his size, you just don't see too many safeties that stand 6'4 that can move like he can. Is that ultimately, besides all of his playmaking ability, just his size and speed, is that just something that NFL teams are not going to be able to pass on when they are looking at him in the first round more than likely next year? Good teams, yes. Teams that are smart and have good personnel people, (laughs) yes. I think the other part of it is there are some teams that panic and freak out about things because they haven't seen anything before, right? Like, hey, we haven't seen anyone at that size do what he does, so I'm going to panic and you know take someone who fits more of a prototype of what we're used to. There will be some GMs like that, and those are usually the people that are consistently drafting in the top 10. But, uh, you know, I mean, you, you just don't see that combination of, of fluidity and range of motion. And, and honestly, that's his background in basketball. That's his, you know, his dad was a performer, former professional basketball player overseas. Uh, you know, and, and Kyle's older brother played in the Ivy League as a basketball player, and Kyle's a pretty good basketball player. So he's just kind of got that fluidity, that change of motion, that change of direction ability that you see from a 6'4 shooting guard. He just happened to decide he wanted to play football <laughs> instead. If you were his position coach, is there anything in particular that stands out that you would want Kyle to work on going into this junior campaign? He is well-rounded. I think we agree on that. Mm-hmm. But are there a couple of things that you might say, you know what, let's work on these things. Let's make it even better for this year and beyond. I think there's a couple things. Number one, and this, and there, all the things you want to work on with him are about just youth. I mean, he was a true sophomore mm-hmm. last year, you know, and, and I think those are the things where you're going to see improvement this year from his sophomore to junior years. You know, at times I think he got he he got a little bit too nosy, you know, kind of looking into parts of the field that weren't his business. You know, it's kind of like mind your business. You know, you've got this, you worry about that, and then you know we've got this other part covered. And I think that kind of be part of it. I think. At times, his youth got him to say, hey, I want to make a play so bad that sometimes I'm going to go be too aggressive. A perfect example of how that hurt Notre Dame last year was against Clemson in the ACC championship. He was playing middle of the field. Clemson had a matchup on the the left of their offense that they like, so Trevor Lawrence Mm -hmm. drops back, and he looks hard to his right. And what does Kyle Hamilton do? He jumps hard. And what does Trevor Lawrence do? Comes right backside and beats, you know, hits Amari Rodgers for a long touchdown pass. And those are those things of that's just an experience thing. And the one thing that I have seen about Kyle Hamilton in his time at Notre Dame is he rarely makes the same mistake twice. I don't think as free a quarterback's going to be able to look him off next year when he's playing in the middle of the field mm. the way that Trevor Lawrence is because he's got such a high football IQ. And I think that's something that we don't often talk about because we get so mesmerized by the size and the athleticism and the playmaking ability. He's a very smart football player as well. And I think just playing a little bit under control, which is going to then result in him even making more plays because he's going to, you know, he's going to get better timing. He's going to get to the ball on time. He's going to force quarterbacks to not be able to, you know, maybe throw away from him because he gets so he gets so aggressive towards things. So I think those are the two areas where if he can just kind of clean that up a little bit, which again, those are sophomore to junior things you expect to see. He was only a, he was a soft he was a teenager last year, you know. Yeah. I think those things are going to happen, and that's why I anticipate Kyle having a big year. And I'll say this, Darren, I think the best thing for Kyle Hamilton personally was not playing this spring because I think he was forced to sit back and see the game through a coach's eyes. And for a kid that's got an IQ like Kyle, that's going to do wonders for him. And that's going to be the thing that allows him to say, oh, now I see why I should have waited a little bit longer to attack that alley, or now I see why I should stay in the middle of the field for that and those type of things. And I think that's going to make him such a better football player. 
Brian Driscoll, the publisher of irishbreakdown.com, joining us here on WSBT Radio. If all things are equal, don't worry about the personnel around him. Let me ask this two-part question. At Notre Dame, if you had to put Kyle Hamilton in the spot where he would give you the most, what position would that be, and would it be the same position in the National Football League? Oh, yeah. Let's see. I'd probably put him – I think I'd put him where Notre Dame has him, and that's that field safety position because – that is a position where you can cover the most ground in college. And I don't think that that's going to matter as much in the NFL because the hash marks are so much different in the NFL. You really don't have a field boundary the way that you do in college football in the NFL. So I think his ability to cover so much ground and and to the point where if you're an offense where you're going to try to avoid him, Darren, and he's playing to the field, and that's what I want as a defensive coordinator. Okay, you want to go do your whole game on the short side of the field where we have the the, the sideline as our 12th defender? Go for it. And you want to play to Cam Hart and Isaiah Foskey and Shane Simon and Jason Adamiola? That's the side of the field you want to go to? Fine, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. So I, I think that's a position I would go to him because that's where he can impact the run game the most. He can p- impact the screen game the most. He's going to get in more man-covered situations. You're going to see him kind of robbing alleys, trying to jump in-breaking bra- in routes and out-breaking routes and things like that but still able to defend the middle of the field from that spot too. So that's probably where I'd play him. And I think that's kind of the role you're going to see him in the NFL, because again, the NFL is about spacing and, and creating isolations. And can you get a safety to in man coverage? And for a, you know, a guy like Kyle Hamilton, that's not a matchup you're going to be as afraid of as you are going to be with other safeties. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Brian, you wrote a piece at irisbreakdown.com in regard to the Lindy Sports Magazine listing the top returning players in college football, and five Notre Dame players made the list. No surprise, Kyle Hamilton was among the nation's top returning players. Also on that list was offensive lineman Jared Patterson. You got Kane Madden, who is joining the Irish from Marshall, running back Kyron Williams, tight end Michael Mayer. Are you surprised anybody was on that list, and anyone in particular maybe you would have added to that list? Well, I think my opinion of, of Kane Madden and his projection sure. to the next level is, has been discussed. That, that, I, I, that one surprised me a little bit. But I'll say again, I hope that they're right. Because if he is legitimately one of the five best guards in the country this year, then the only question we have about the offense is now negated, and that's the offensive line. 
Uh, but I, I don't know if there's anyone else I would have had there. I think they all deserve to be in the top five. of their, The other four players, the, the returners for Notre Dame, all deserve to be among the five best players in the country. Kyron Williams is clearly one of the five best backs. I actually thought Michael Mayer was a little bit low at five, but I understand it because he's only a sophomore. He's only got one year doing it. So I, I, I can understand that. And I, I understand none of the other Notre Dame players being on there. The one guy that I thought it was kind of a joke that he wasn't on there, to be honest with you, is Jack Cohn. And I looked at some of the quarterbacks that were on there, like Graham Mertz, for example, from Wisconsin was on there. Go look at Graham Mertz's mm. one year as a starter wow. compared to Jack Cohn's one year as a starter and tell me that what Graham Mertz has done to, to warrant being in a top 25 quarterback that Jack Cohn hasn't. So there, Bryce Young was on there. I mean, so there's some projection there with young quarterbacks, I get. But, you know, when you look at a guy that, that has led his team to a Rose Bowl, 10 wins, you know, completed 70% of his passes, and, and now he's at Notre Dame with the weapons he's going to have there, and he's not one of the 25 best quarterbacks in the country, that one surprised me a little bit. As someone that grew up in central Illinois that has to watch Illinois football take away Graham Mertz's game against the Illini to start last year, and it was pretty mediocre, I thought. Right. And, look, I like Graham Mertz as a player. I mean, I, I think he's a talented kid. I know Notre Dame tried to hard to get him, and, and it's not a, a, a knock so much on Graham Mertz, but, you know, Graham Mertz last year in seven games threw nine touchdown passes and five interceptions, you know, in, in only, what, 193 attempts. You know, a year prior in 339 attempts – which is not even twice the number of attempts. Jack Cohn threw twice as many touchdowns and the same amount of interceptions, you know, and then completed about n almost almost nine percent more per of a completion percentage and and over a yard high, a yard and a half higher, actually one point six yard higher yards per attempt. So, again, I just don't understand where that you want to have Graham Mertz on there. That's fine, but if you're going to have him on there, you should also have. Jack Cohn on there. And just some of the guys I look through that list and I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't take that guy over Jack Cohn. Yep. I wouldn't take that guy over Jack Cohn. And I just feel like he continues to get overrated, underrated quite a bit. And I think people are just assuming, you know, he was at Wisconsin. It's not a sexy offense and all those kind of things. I, I think Jack Cohn is going to su surprise some people if it, this year, as long as he can stay healthy. Brian, you spend a lot of time answering questions from Irish fans, whether it be on Twitter, uh, the videos you put together at irishbreakdown.com that are on YouTube as well. At this point of the summer, as you hear from Notre Dame fans, what are one or two things that you most often get if Irish fans are trying to get information out of you about the upcoming Notre Dame football team? Uh, they're both offensively. It's Is the offense really going to open it up this year? That's the biggest one. I think Notre Dame fans have watched – they watch college football. The, the ones that are asking questions in June and aren't tuning out and waiting to the seasons to start, the ones that are really engaged – they watch all of college football. They see what LSU's doing. They see what Ohio State's doing and Clemson's doing and Alabama's are doing. And they're wondering, hey, uh, when are we going to start scoring like that? And and then they understand that in order to do that, you have to change your offensive philosophy. So that's the thing that we get asked about a lot is, you know, what what's the offensive philosophy going to be about? And then the other questions are personnel related, and they're kind of split down the middle. Some of the people are worried about the offensive line. Some of the people are worried about the playmakers, a wide receiver. But that really is the, the two big question marks is – you know, and I think the biggest one above all others is, are we really going to see the offense be opened up this year? Is Notre Dame really going to try to attack teams and be aggressive and try to take advantage of their personnel? Or are they going to come out and be, you know, 12 personnel heavy and put power forwards on the outside at wide receiver and, and try to play control the clock football, which is going to beat most of the teams on their schedule, but is once again going to leave them shorthanded when they get to the postseason. I think that's a fear that a lot of Notre Dame fans have. I have a little bit more confidence in Tommy Reese, I think, than, than maybe some of those average fans. And I think that Tommy Reese, if he's given control of the offense this year, is going to put a, mm -hmm. a, a more entertaining product on the field and, and has the talent to do so. 
Uh, so, uh, you know, but at the same time, I understand the, the, the concerns because we haven't seen that yet. I'm kind of more going off of faith uh, and, and kind of what we saw in the spring than, than maybe I should if as an analyst. But I think that's where maybe my optimism comes from, but then where a lot of the skepticism comes from because they need to see it. And that's fair. Let me go slightly a different direction. Again, based on what you hear and what you don't hear from Irish fans, is there a part of this football team or is there a storyline that you feel like fans are not asking you about enough or maybe they should be more concerned about compared to where you are at this point with that particular part of the football team? Well, I think I do such a great job of educating our fans that they know all the <laughs> questions that they have. Uh, no, I, you know, I, I think the interesting thing is there's such a faith in the defense that no one really talks about the, the question marks on defense. There's such a faith in, number one, the job that Mike Elko and then Clark Lee were able to do that no matter who they lost, whether it was Jerry Tillery after 2018, whether it was the, the whole secondary, you know, the two linebackers actually and Jerry Tillery after 2018, Aquara and uh, Khalid Kareem, and then the almost the entire secondary after 2019. And they're just been able to kind of, okay, we're going to be fine. We're just going to plug and play, and we're going to still be really good. There's a, a lot of confidence on the defense, and I would – I would want to have more conversations about some of the, the concerning areas of, I agree that I expect the defense to still be really good, but if it's not going to be good and if it takes a step back, these are the areas why that's going to happen. I don't think we're having enough of those conversations right now. I'm a little guilty from that standpoint, just Me believing too. in the coaching staff that they're going to be able to figure it out because they always seem to. Right. On the There's a track record. Side of the football. But that's also where record. the skepticism comes from the offense because they can say all they want that we're going to do this, we're going to do that, but there's a track record of not doing that, especially in big games. And so I think that's where the skepticism and the optimism and those two things comes from. And, I mean, I think that's, that's, a, that's being a smart fan. Like, yeah, okay, it sounds, it sounds good, but now I need to see it. Let me hit one other storyline. The possibility of a 12-team playoff maybe as early as 2023 if all this comes together quickly. From what we know, the first four seeds will be conference champions, so that means Notre Dame the best they could be as a five seed in a 12-team playoff. Your overall reaction to college football possibly going this direction with the playoff? I, I don't like it. I don't think it's good for the game. I think it's a moneymaker and a moneymaker only. Uh, I think when I look at it, I think it's going to diminish the importance of the regular season. You know, that Notre Dame, that Purdue-Ohio State game in 2018 is irrelevant now because Ohio State's still going to make the playoff, and they still would have been a top-four seed. Uh, you look at Michigan-Ohio State, how many times over the years where Michigan and Ohio State played each other with something big on the table and the loser gets left out? I think that adds impact where now it's like, okay, well, Michigan-Ohio State, well, let me use a better example. Auburn and Alabama <laughs> are both going to make the postseason now. Uh, you know, something, you know, or Notre Dame-USC. You know, there's been years in the past where they may play out in L.A. and the winners, both of them are going to be in the playoff anyway. So then the question is, okay, well, you know, Notre Dame, it's like, okay, we're, we're going to be in the playoff now and, and we're undefeated. You know, maybe do we sit a couple guys because we're not going to get a top four seed anyway? I mean, I don't think that's good for the game. I mean, look, USC in 2016 would have made the college football playoff despite starting the season one and three including a game where they lost by almost 50 to Alabama. They still would have made the college football playoff. Uh, so you're basically saying what? September is now just a, a glorified scrimmage period. And it just I don't think that's good for the game. I also don't think the fact that a team that either wins their conference and is not a top four seed or a team that makes the playoff and loses their conference championship to and, and doesn't get a bye, you now have to play 17 games to win a championship, college athletes, right, who we're not even paying the full cost of tuition yet for, 
are now having to play 17 games. I think that's absurd. And I think, honestly, I have always been against paying the players. But this is the kind of move that's going to turn someone like me into a, you know what, screw it. If you're going to do that and it's strictly a money-making move and you don't care about the regular season, the Bulls are completely irrelevant now, completely irrelevant now, uh, and you're going to do this just for money, then you know what? The people that are putting the product on the field, the coaches and the players, they deserve that money. Not the administrations, not all these other people. Give it to them because they're the only reason that you're doing this. It's all about the money. Well said there, and I remember the anti-playoff people back in the day. Well, we don't want these guys playing too many games. Yeah. All of yeah. a sudden, that's yeah. kind of out the door. <laughs> Wait a minute. How many name? zeros at the end of what we're making off the TV deal? Okay, <laughs> screw that. You know, 17 games it is. You know, I mean, uh, it's a joke. It's an absolute yeah. joke. And I just wish they'd be honest about it. I, I would respect them so much more if they'd be like, oh, it's going to make more entertaining games. No, it's not. It's not going to make for more entertaining games. It's going to make for, okay, yeah, that team got killed. So what? They're still going to make the playoff. You know, and, and, I, and they say, what's well, going to bring more parity? No, it's not, because in 2019, think about this. Alabama doesn't make the playoff in 2019 because Tua Tungvaloa gets hurt. Mac Jones makes a start. It's really his first big start. He throws a couple pick sixes. Alabama barely loses to Auburn. Alabama gets knocked out of the postseason. In this scenario, Alabama's got a bye week during the SEC championship. Yeah. Then they're hosting a first-round game, and they now have a month to get Mac Jones and that offense ready to go. So now you have to worry about Alabama again. And I don't see how that's good for college football. I don't think that brings more parity. And they say, well, you know, teams are going to have more playoff appearances. The, the Making the playoff is going to become what making the NCAA tournament is. So what if you made it? 12 teams make it. Did you do anything when you got there? Yeah. That's what it's going to turn into. And, Brian, from a Notre Dame perspective, that does not push me to a conference. I'll be just fine as a five seat. You can look at it this way, Brian. Clemson is one heck of a football program right now. Notre Dame beat them at Notre Dame Stadium. Clemson knocked them off in the ACC championship game on a neutral field. If you go to the conference, who are you probably going to play in a conference game, title game? Probably is going to be Clemson. It's going to be tough mm -hmm. to win that. So if you lose, you're not in the top four anyway. Heck, I think, Brian, you're just fine being an independent. They play a competitive schedule. It's as good as all conference schedules you see across the country. And if they're a five, a six, or a seven seed, under this scenario, I am totally fine with that, unless there is some financial reason or some other reason that doesn't have anything to do with football being played that pushes them to a conference, fine. But from the standpoint of going to the ACC, this does not push me to the ACC. Your thoughts? You know, Darren, my immediate gut reaction was this is a move by Jack Swarbrick that's going to ultimately lead to Notre Dame joining a conference. That was my gut mm -hmm. reaction. Then we did a podcast okay. the next day. And Vince Dara completely changed my mind on that with a very similar argument to what you're making now, which is, look, they don't have to join a league, okay? They're going to be a five seed. That means Notre Dame gets a mid-December home game against a team most likely from the South uh, in mid-December in South Bend, Indiana, which is going to be a tremendous environment. And, you know, then then if, they're a, if they are a five seed, that means they get the four seed in the quarterfinals, and it's not really till round three if they're a five or six seed that they're going to face one of the top two teams, which they were guaranteed to do if they made the playoff as a three or a four seed. So mm -hmm. I actually have changed my mind on this. I actually came around and I apologized to Jack Swarbrick for my immediate bashing of him because it was a good argument. And you don't hear me say this often, but I was wrong. I have been convinced otherwise that my opinion is faulty. And I agree with your premise that I don't think this necessitates a move to the, uh, you know, to the, po excuse me, to a conference. And I think to your, I'm back to where I was before, which is your point, which is Notre Dame will not join a conference until it becomes financially impossible to ignore yeah. doing so. Uh, so, yeah, my, my mind has completely changed from where I was a week ago when this, less than a week ago when this announcement was made. I thought it was a given, but, uh, but I have been swayed.
Okay, very good. Well, on Thursday, we'll talk to you about Notre Dame football recruiting, and I know there's a lot of stories right now at irisbreakdown.com about recruiting. Why don't you tease either something you have on the site or something that's coming very soon? Yeah, Notre Dame made big moves with uh, running back Dallin Hayden from Tennessee, who rushed for 2,000 yards last year. He's the number one running back on my board. Ohio State was his leader coming into last weekend's visit. Notre Dame has now put themselves in a a spot where they might be able to pull off the upset and finally beat Ohio State for an offensive recruit. Mm -hmm. We have a couple stories about him. We did a story uh, with his head coach today, interviewed him, that kind of puts some perspective on not just what makes Dallin a great football player, but what makes him a very unique young man off the field as well. So you're going to want to check that out. I'll let you know. You probably want to know this. With 3.27 to go in the fourth quarter in Super Bowl 32 right now on the NFL Network, Elway's taking the field with the game tied against yeah. the Packers. So I'll let you know how it turns out. I have a good feeling about that one. I do, too. I'm going to be happy here in just a couple of minutes. Yep. Brian, good to catch <laughs> up with you. We'll talk some recruiting on Thursday. Look forward to that visit. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. That's Brian Driscoll. Check out his website, irishbreakdown.com, the Sports Illustrated website covering Notre Dame athletics and, of course, Notre Dame football, Notre Dame football recruiting front and center at irishbreakdown.com. My Five is next, 554 at WSBT. We'll be right back.